Welcome to Indiana EdCast. I'm Tom Mellish, Executive Director for the Indiana Retired Teachers Association, the association that advocates for all Indiana retired educators. Please email me at tmellish at retiredteachers.org with your questions, and we'll find out the answer for you. We are joined once again by Chief Lobbyist Steve Beebe from Beebe Share and Associates. We welcome Steve and look forward to his thoughts on this week's actions at the State House. Actually, it's this past week's actions at the State House. Good news on Monday as our 13th check cruised through the House unanimously and heads over to the Senate. And the co-sponsors there are going to be Senator Boots, Chair of the Committee, and uh, Senator Nagotsky. So bipartisan support. You know, and, you know, I've felt from before session began when we were talking to legislators and others that that the, the money would be uh, in the budget for the 13th check for two years. It, that was going to be much less of a challenge for us this year than it you know, has been in previous years. The challenge this year uh, is still there and remains uh, to try to get a little increase in that 13th check. And, and you know, we're still, we're still talking to legislators about that. Uh, we're still, still mentioning it. But nothing will be decided on that issue uh, until we see the the revenue forecast in April when they when they begin to you know really finalize you know all the issues um, you know in the budget. So you know we're going to keep pushing. Our uh, you know legislative day comes at a time when we can uh, you know encourage le- legislators to support that increase. So we just got to keep working it and see what happens. Best thing our members can do or anybody that sees their representatives first, thank them for passing it unanimously, but uh, also saying we hope that uh, they can see an increase come April and our senators who haven't heard the bill yet, encourage them to pass it, but also look potentially to add an amendment to it. I know we'll probably have a conversation with uh, both uh, Senator Boots and Skotsky shortly after the bill gets passed over to them and uh, bring that up. And we've been sort of laying the groundwork with our freshman representatives and senators that we've been meeting with the past couple weeks and just giving them a little educated update on our um, what IRTA, who we are, what we stand for, and uh, our concerns toward pension issues and things. And been pretty receptive and some good questions coming out of them. So I've been um, very pleased with the um, freshmen that we've uh, met with this year. It's um, just been a, a nice... Um, change. I haven't had no huge issues right now on the table, so it's been relaxed and just talking to them, and they seem to, even though they're busy and trying to not too overwhelmed, uh, seem to be asking good questions and, and concerns. And we've so far caught most of them on our the committees that uh, are on pensions or uh, on um, appropriations, and so. Yeah, I, I agree. We've, we've met with, I think, five uh, you know, new legislators so far. We've got uh, two more meetings scheduled this week. Um, there's only that, that leaves only one, either on pensions or ways and means that we uh, we haven't met with, and uh, you know I'll continue to work on that. And then I think you know there's several other freshmen, and you know while they're not on you know, the committees that we normally deal with, you know, I still think it's a good idea for you and I to go introduce ourselves uh, just so they understand uh, a little bit about the Indiana Retired Teachers Association, you know, what our interests are, 
and you know who to contact if they have you know if they have questions and uh, you you're exactly right we have a little bit of extra time this year because we're not scurrying around uh, either you know lobbying for uh, or against uh, you know an issue that's imminent knock on wood <laughs> well that, that's true you know there there is one issue out there that we're still you know we're still watching closely we're still uh, a little concerned about uh, I have uh, sent an email to representative Tim Brown's uh, legislative assistant uh, asking you know for appointment for the two of us uh, to uh, to discuss you know House Bill 1445 you know it's not been scheduled for a hearing yet which I kind of take as a positive sign if it was something that that representing Brown was was serious about if it were a priority I think it would have already received a committee hearing uh, you know but there still are a couple weeks to hear bills and you know I, I'm gonna I'm gonna choose to be hopeful uh, that He's really not that interested in pushing this, and we won't have to have to deal with it. And now I've said all that. I'll let you tell the the listeners what it's about. Okay, House Bill 1445. Uh, I think we've mentioned it before, but it's the um, moving the defined contribution default to any new hires won't affect anyone retired now on that. But anybody that doesn't choose that they want to be in a hybrid pension will default into just a defined contribution annuity side of that on there. Uh, it's really tied two bills together that used to come out. And then the the other one that's probably more of a concern is for new hires. It's changing the rule of 85 where you uh, have to reach um, age and years of service to 85. Uh, you had to be at least 55. Well, now you don't have to worry about 55 because the rule become the rule of 95 so you'll need um, more years or a combination of your age and years of service so uh, it could be a lot closer to 60 by the time you can get the 35 years of service um, type thing on there so it's gonna really take away uh, an earlier retirement out there which will hurt our later in life uh, educators that come into the profession a little bit later and also those, um, probably more toward the women's side, but have stayed home, uh, been fortunate enough to stay home with the kids when they're younger and things, and uh, took some time off. Now you're going to do that. The other rule was 60-20. Um, Once you hit the age 60, if you had 20 years of service, you were able to retire. Well, now that's pushing it, um, still at 60, but you have to have 25 years of service. So again hurt some of those that have been, um, like I said, later in life, uh, came into the profession or had taken time off uh, for family or taking care of their own parents or different things out there. Well, and the, the other thing that, that I find a little curious is there's been so much emphasis, you know, on the teacher shortage and, you know, we need to recruit teachers, we need to retain teachers. And, you know, to me, this just isn't a measure that is going to, you know, encourage young people into the teaching, you know, profession. No, I think they think it will go the other way. So it sort of goes against the um, logic that 
we want to encourage and, and keep them here on there unless they're just trying to keep them in there longer but I think that has ramifications too on there if someone really not wanting to be there or has had their time it's it's time to get out and it's that's it so both those and I think there's even uh, as I was reading the LSA report on the um, DC portion of that for the new hires on that if enough of them default into that it could actually be a cost to the retirement system to lose money on that because the money will be going into the annuity uh, side of it not a huge drop but usually they don't like to do anything that's going to mess with the pension funding on either side and these folks would all obviously be in the post 96 fund but it would still even though that's well funded at this point if all of a sudden you're pulling out people that would be con continually to contribute to it um, it will be a little bit of a cost on there it was few hundred thousand but it was uh, enough that I, you know, I think that something that they need to watch and just be concerned about if they do pull this bill forward but hopefully common sense will prevail and they won't pull this hear this bill or take it uh, forward uh, Tom you've you've been around the legislative process long enough now to know that you don't really need or maybe you even shouldn't mention common sense and legislative process in the same sentence. I thought that might get a response from you. <laughs> anyway, uh, anything else on legislative we've met or any of the bills or anything else on the 13th? Or? Well, you know, I, I, I will mention, I will mention one thing. We, we had a, a good conversation with uh, Representative Lisa Beck uh, she's from the Crown Point area. Uh, you know, she's a freshman, but she has been appointed the ranking minority member uh, of the Employment, Labor, and Pensions Committee. So she was, you know, one that we wanted to talk to. Had a very enjoyable discussion with her, and you know, she mentioned the fact that that it seemed to her uh, that the Republicans were reaching across the aisle and were making, uh, you know, more of an effort this year to. Uh, you know, to be bipartisan, and and I kind of noticed the same thing. Uh, there are some Democrat bills uh, that are moving through the process, and you know there were, you know, there's been several years uh, when the Republicans were in control, and the rule was it had to be a Republican first on the bill, and it could be a Democrat co-author, but the Democrat couldn't be the primary author, and. Um, they've they've relaxed that a little bit this year. I'm not suggesting there are lots of Democrat bills moving through, you know, but there are some. And in my opinion, uh, that's a good thing for the legislative process. I've noticed on some of the bills too, not just education bills, whatever. But they it does seem like they've tried to get uh, bipartisan. If it is a even a Republican author. They've tried to get a co-author on the Democratic side, whatever. And there has been a lot of, as I've watched the bills go through, um, a lot of unanimous ones. So um, a lot of bipartisan support. It seems like they're seem working a little bit more together than in the um, first three years that I've witnessed or been down here watching. So this year seems to be a more relaxed. But they do have some tougher issues coming up. So maybe that's just trying to lay some groundwork for... Uh, 
the hate crimes bill and some of the things that may be coming forward here toward the end of the session. I I I sort of fear the same thing. I I was skeptical a little bit of the motive, uh, but regardless, uh, if if it's the if it's the beginning of a trend, you know, from that's going to carry over, you know, through this session and following sessions. Um, I've got to be supportive. I've got to be supportive of it. And a couple of education bills that uh, came up uh, last week through there was uh, House Bill 1008 and 1009 that dealt with uh, teacher pay and teacher career ladders and uh, some different things. And uh, again, a lot of bipartisan support went through unanimously um, on there, but it, um, I think. Uh, 1008 was maybe Moed, I may have these backwards, but Moed uh, was an author on that and the other one was Baining, but helping teachers uh, get some more pay on that, but that um, both of those um, went through uh, well, so those be heading over to the Senate. And then the bill that had the most controversy, and this was pretty much a party line um, vote on this one, was House Bill 1003, and that dealt with referendums. Um, that uh, if a school corporation ran a referendum and they had a charter school, that they had to share some of the uh, revenue with the charter school uh, on the referendum. So it uh, caused um, some con a lot of concern on the superintendent side and also on the Democratic side uh, on there. So it uh, had a lot of questions on there, and it would hurt mostly the areas with the um, more charter schools in them, areas that did not have charters obviously would not affect them uh, in their county or community uh, at that time if they ran a referendum. But those that um, had charters in them, having to share some of that revenue, uh, so that's a big question, uh, did pass. So it will be heading over to the Senate, but that's one to keep an eye on or in, of interest that could uh, hurt funding on referendums that uh, corporations may run on there. Any other bills out there? Uh, obviously, we'll be watching the budget bill. They've had most of the hearings uh, on that, so they should be probably the next couple of weeks really scrutinizing that and pulling, putting the final dollar figures on that, presenting that here. Yeah, that's a good point. I think the uh, I think the the House budget bill will be released possibly this week definitely next week um, and you know as soon as that's released we'll be pouring through there to make sure that the, the dollars are in there for the 13th check um, you know I'm confident you know that they will be at this point um, but we'll still uh, eagerly await that bill so we can see it uh, for ourselves in black and white on on the paper anything else that's right now the biggest one, 1445, we're watching just if it gets a hearing or not. But um, if you do, again, see your representatives on that one, tell them um, that concerns on 1445 um, out there on the D.C. and that raising the early retirement ages and years of service credits out there, um, not a good thing. So other than that, and if it is released or we're going to get a hearing, we'll let you know through social media or emails um, as soon as we know something. But hopefully we won't have to contact you. <laughs>
we'll uh, leave you with this thought this week. If at first you do succeed, try something harder. So, from us at here at Indiana EggCast, we thank you for listening. Tom Mellish of Indiana Retired Teachers Association, Steve BB Steve from BB Shearer and Associates will be on again next week. And until then, stay warm, stay healthy, and be active.